There will be increasingly tough times before the Lord returns. Reminding us of what they'll require, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Tough times require tough Christians, not wishy-washy Christians that are going to to and fro and one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Listen, folks, the days in which we live are short. The last days and the coming of the Lord is near. And may he find us with empty hands, not holding on to stuff, not hoarding stuff, but being faithful men and women with the resources that he's entrusted to our care. This is amazing grace. While it's okay to pray at times, Lord, please lighten my load, it might be better to pray, Lord, strengthen my back, especially considering the times. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Someone has said, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. So there's a good kind of debt, but there is a bad kind as well. We'll touch on that as we continue in Romans chapter 13 with Pastor Ed. We're not smarter than God. We follow God's principles with finances. He'll bless that. We decide to go against God's principles with finances. We'll pay the price. You know, there's a familiar verse that comes to mind in that, and that is, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap destruction. You sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. It happens, it's true in finances as well. If you need help, call us. Here's a good rule of thumb. You have two thumbs, so let me give you two good rules of thumb. You ready? Number one, don't incur debt that you know you can't repay. Just say no. And number two, don't carry balances on your credit cards. Pay them off. And if you're in so far over your head right now and you don't know how, let us help you. We're here to serve you. Call the office, make an appointment. It's important for us to get a handle on this. As Christians, it's helpful to have a budget, a written budget. I know some of you are way ahead. You already have a budget. It's in your mind. It's not written down anymore. But for those of you that you need a budget, you need to write down what your expenditures are. What are the needs of your household? It would be good just for a couple weeks to take a little notepad and write down every little thing. You know, that 50 cent candy bar, that dollar soda you had to have because you were thirsty, that Big Mac, that second Big Mac, that third bit, you know, all of them, just write them down. And you'll see you'll see that if there's a pattern in your life of just spending, 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 you'll see it because I'll tell you what, your credit card bill hasn't shocked you yet. But you start taking out, you go, wow, I didn't know that dollar here, five dollars there, that's like 500 bucks a month. I didn't know I was spending $500. I know you didn't because it was just a dollar here, five dollars there, three dollars there. And it's good to have a budget. Now, if you're taking notes, let me give you a few things that will help you in this realm, things that you can start praying about, things that will help you greatly. When you get your paycheck... Now, I know a lot of us don't get paychecks anymore, right? They just doop right into our account. But you might get a little receipt thing, right? So when you get that receipt thing, you get your paycheck, that day you get it. Number one, first thing you do is pray. First thing you do is pray. 
And some of the things you can pray around that paycheck is, thank you, God, for my job. It'll help you with all the feelings you're having about your job right now. I hate my boss. I hate my. I wish I made more money. Oh, thank you. Oh, I got my paycheck. Well, I need more money. I don't have any money. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my. <laughs> That's not going to help you. See, God, it's good, man. Thank you for work. You know, there are people out of work right now. And you'll start to pray for people out of work. You'll start to seek the, you'll, your heart changes when you pray. And you know what? Maybe it's not all that you all that you wanted. You know, the numbers don't add up. But thank you, God, for what you've given me. Compared to zero, this is good. And you know, Lord, maybe this isn't the place I need to be working. Would you open a door for me? But when you pray, you start to yield your heart to the Lord. And you need to pray. Thank God for that job. Thank God for that work. Thank God for that pay. And number two, the first check you write is unto the Lord. You give your tithe and offering unto the Lord. You write that check and you give it unto the Lord. So many people aren't giving, aren't tithing, even in our own church, because they're not even using money as a stewardship from God. Giving wholeheartedly of yourself unto the Lord. Giving of yourself, like, not like the tax man, that God's just going to put his hand in your pocket and take it from you. No, he desires us to give freely from our hearts. And for some of you right now, conviction is setting in pretty heavily. Good. Why aren't you giving? I don't know. I don't involve myself in that stuff. I don't know whether you give or not. I'm going to love you and serve you no matter what. It doesn't matter to me in that respect. I'm going to serve you as a pastor, as a fellow believer. Fine with me. But between you and the Lord, do you think you're getting away with something? Do you think it's not no big deal to spend money on yourself and everything that you want and, and have no mind for the things of the Lord? Do you think that's okay? That's not how you got saved. When you got saved, you were so enamored in the work of God. You go, take all of me, Lord. But over the years, something happened. Your attitude changed. And you're not giving unto the Lord. One of the reasons why is you're not writing that as your first check. It really even can't be your first check, right? Because the tax man gets first. And then after the tax man pulls his share out, then, like, well, Ed, okay, um, should I tithe on the gross <laughs> or the net? Are you serious? Just give unto the Lord. He'll tell you, did you, did you get a gross type of check or a net kind? You know, just give unto the Lord. We're not going to ask you for your W-2 here. We're not going to print out commitment envelopes for you. We're not going to make you sign a commitment card. Give to the Lord. Just give. Write that check unto him. The second check you're to write is, this is a suggestion to help you, the second check you should write is your support checks to missions, to ministries, to help with people in your life. You know, sometimes we look, oh, there's a need in my community. I'm going to bring them to the church and the church will help them. No, no, there's a, there's a need in your community and you're going to bring them to the church. God brought the church to them. And maybe God would just put on your heart to go get a gift card for them and, and just put it under the door. They don't need to know where it came from or put some groceries on their door as from the Lord. But because believers are so strapped, they're not even thinking that way. And you give your mission support. You, you give your ministry support unto the Lord. Then... You start writing checks for the essentials, for your rent, your mortgage, your food, your clothing, the needs of your children, the needs of your home. And then, if there's anything left over, you should pray again. God, what would you have me to do with this? Here I am. It's been a good week. It's been a good month. I don't have much, Lord, but you've given me more than I need. What would you want me to do? We get all caught up with our wants, right? But God has promised to supply all our needs. 
according to his riches in Christ. And when you give, not only do you give a little of your flesh away, but when you and I give and we give by faith, our trust is built up in him. Because I realize that many give sacrificially unto the Lord because of their situation in life. And when you give sacrificially unto the Lord, what you're really saying, what you're fulfilling what he said in Malachi, God said, you know what? Test me on this. Go ahead. They go, okay, Lord, I'll test you on. I'm going to trust you that you're going to play, you're going to supply all of my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I trust you on that, Lord. I, I'm going to take that promise and I'm going to hold on to it. God is going to supply all of our needs, not all of our greeds. God's going to provide for our needs, not all of our wants. And you know, in the tough times that have come in your life or tough times coming upon Christians, listen, tough times require tough Christians. Not wishy-washy Christians that are going to to and fro and one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Listen, folks, the days in which we live are short. The last days and the coming of the Lord is near. And may he find us with empty hands, not holding on to stuff, not hoarding stuff, but being faithful men and women with the resources that he's entrusted to our care. A lot of times we get hung up on, well, I don't have much, Ed. I don't have a lot. It's not dependent on what, how much you have. It's dependent upon, God is looking not, oh, you have a lot. Oh, that's great. And he doesn't elevate those that have a lot higher than those that have a little. Here's the issue. The issue with God is not how much you have. It's what you and I do with what we have. Are we faithful? And if we're not faithful, may God make us faithful. May we be faithful to get out of the bondage of other debts so that we might be good, faithful givers. So the kingdom of God will continue to flourish, to expand, to grow. That's what happened with you, you know. Somewhere along the way, there was an offering given to a church or to a radio ministry or something. Somewhere along the way, there was just a simple offering that perhaps helped pay a simple salary of a simple pastor who proclaimed a simple message and you simply believed. Just very faithful. God is faithful in this respect. Back in Romans 13 now. It's amazing, isn't it? We've been a church for nine years, almost 10 this December. And the top of a giving hasn't come up in the scriptures more than it has in the last six months. And it has nothing to do with some of the things God's laid before us. I'll tell you that right now. It has nothing to do with some of the outreach ministries. I believe that God is preparing a church for tough times. Preparing us to get our houses in order. The Bible says that judgment begins where? In the house of the Lord. It begins with us. That he wants to prepare us no matter what comes our way. That we are a lean, mean, spiritual fighting machine, you know? Taking care of business, not strapped down and in bondage to things that are unnecessary. And that's my prayer for you. It's been my prayer, just knowing we're going to come up on this topic, that my prayer for you is that you're delivered from some of the habits and some of the things you've gotten yourself into that has strapped you down and you haven't been able to obey God. Or you, you know, you've been able, you just haven't done it especially in the realm of giving. If you think your lack of obedience in giving isn't going to affect other parts of your walk, you're wrong. It is, and it does, and it has. Because your attitude toward giving, well, you know, I can't do it, I, I can't do it, I don't want to do it, I don't need to do it. Do you think that's not going to pass over to, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to be the man of the home. I don't think I need to do it. Everything's just fine without me. You think that, you think that, that attitude doesn't happen in other areas of your life? 
Oh, there's a need in my community, but I don't need to. Someone else will have. Someone else will carry the load. You don't think that affects the rest of your life? But you're saying, Lord, just bring it back to simplicity. You know, when we were saved, that salvation experience is very simple. God, I give you everything. And then something happens along the way where we distance ourselves from our salvation. And we go, well, I'll take back this and I'll take back that. And, I'll, and I still want the blessings of my relationship with Jesus, but I want control. And you know, we want God to control our lives. That's our desire. In the spirit, we want God to control our lives. In the flesh, we want control. And back in Romans 13, it says in verse 8, Oh, no one anything except to love. This is the debt that can't ever really be fulfilled and paid back, the, the debt of love. He's saying, take care of your debts, take care of your responsibilities, and then love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. And it's true. Because when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and when I love my neighbor as myself, then the commandments are no problem. Like, for instance, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Well, when I love my neighbor, I don't covet his wife. I love my wife, I don't cover some other woman. I love my wife, so I don't sin. When I love God and I love my neighbor, I don't steal from them. When I love my neighbor, I don't lie about them. I don't bear false witness. I don't slander them behind their backs. I just hand them over to the Lord. I love them and I'm going to be careful what I say. When I love my neighbor, I don't covet what they have. I'm happy for them. I don't go, oh, that's so good. You're, oh, I wish it was me. Why is it always him? It's never me. Oh, I wish it was me. No, when I love them, I rejoice with them. Right on. Cool. It's wonderful. I love you. I'm glad for you. I'm glad you're doing well. When I love, I, if there's any other commandment, love is going to help me to fulfill it. So I love my neighbor as myself. Why? Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 real quick, would you? Just to give you a picture of love. Love is this consistent theme. It's a debt that really can't be repaid, that they're among us. Jesus said that people will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another, by our care for one another, by our self-sacrificial service to one another, where we're thinking of others more highly than ourselves, when we're processing in our mind, not is this good for me, but we're processing in our minds, is this good for you? Is this going to be okay for you? And we're going to get into that in other themes throughout Romans here. As we live our Christian life, now we're thinking of our Christian life, not how I can use my freedom for myself, but how I can be careful in my freedom not to stumble a brother or a stumble or sister. We'll get to that in further studies. But if you're looking and wondering what a picture of love looks like, 1 Corinthians 13 is a great display of God's agape love. It's actually plopped right down in the middle of a teaching about spiritual gifts and the manifestation of gifts. And at the end of chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. And you know what that more excellent way is? It's love. It's the way of love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So you're greatly spiritually gifted, but if you're not exercising your gifts in love, you're just a loud clanging noise unto the Lord. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. So you're a smart guy. You're a smart gal. You know a lot of Bible verses. Well, if you aren't operating in love, what good is that? I'm sure you've heard the saying, I believe it to be true. People don't really care what you know until they know how much you care. It's so important to flow in love. So maybe you're the one that's really spiritually gifted. Well, if you have no love, what good is it? Maybe you're the one that's very knowledgeable. Great, if you don't have any love, what good is it? How about this, verse 3, maybe you're a giver, hard Christian worker. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 
Those are heavy words. I mean, you can actually give and do things in the Lord not motivated by love. And what's the profit? It's all for you. It's not for him. So he begins to describe love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love doesn't behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. I mean, you get to stop right there and go, well, I wonder what that really looks like in my life. And you know, a good way to check that out in your life is just take the word love out and put your own name in there and make it personal. I mean, I can look at it for myself. I've done it every service, and it's, it's sad. Ed suffers long. Not really. Ed is kind. Sometimes I'm not. Ed does not envy. Oh, no, not all the time. Ed doesn't parade himself. Sometimes I might. Ed is not puffed up. Oh, no. That happens. Ed's not rude. I'm not rude until they take my lane. (laughs) Just want to lighten the room up a little bit. I'm on display, but I want to hear you read it with your name in there. You just become an utter failure, don't you? I do. And it just reminds me I need to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Because Ed fails in these areas because I'm in the flesh. When I'm walking in the spirit, I'm hitting the target because God's living his life through me. And God is able to make me a long-suffering person. And God is able to make me kind. As a matter of fact, every time I'm long-suffering, it's because of the Spirit of God. Every time that I'm kind, it's because of the Spirit of God. Every time I'm not a rude person, it's because the Spirit of God lives in my life. And I'm yielded to Him. And that's the only reason. Not because I've mastered Christianity. Christianity is not something to master. Christianity is Jesus. It's a relational life that you live in communion with Jesus Christ. Abiding in him and he abiding in you. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, verse 6, but rejoices in the truth. You know, not rejoicing in iniquity, it's like when somebody gets something and you go, oh, oh, they deserved it. Oh, rejoicing a little iniquity, are we? It's easy to fall into. Rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That's something we want to be in love, don't we? We want to be in that stream of love that never fails. And then verse 13, now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Let me just say this before we leave. People flip around this verse, verse 1, chapter 14. They flip it around. They pursue spiritual gifts and dabble in love. And the Lord says, no, you pursue love. The idea behind that word pursue is to run after with all your strength and might, to catch it, to catch up with it, to give yourself, pursue love. And as you're pursuing love, God's going to drop those spiritual gifts into your life. You, you search after spiritual gifts, you may become a very loveless person. So keep the order correct. Love is the more excellent way. May God pour out his love upon us. Owe no one anything. Pay your bills off, pay your debts. But what you do owe is love. Listen to this as we close. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. He says, pay off all your debts, accept the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. And those of you with an NIV on your lap, I love that one as well. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. You know, we can never stop and say we've loved enough. Amen. 
Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and we've been studying Romans today. If you'd like to hear this message again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can subscribe to the Abounding Grace podcast there, too, at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app, which is another great way to listen to Pastor Ed. Just search for Calvary Aurora. Well, Pastor Ed, we've just begun the month of August. We have a timely resource to offer our listeners called The Third Option. In light of all that's going on in our nation, this book from Miles McPherson is a must-read. Wouldn't you agree? You know what, Larry? This month's resource is a must-read. I recommended it for us in Abounding Grace for our church here in Aurora, and we're also going through it chapter by chapter as a staff so that we can step into the culture in which we live with a greater understanding and knowledge of situations from a different perspective. Uh, Our goal is to take the gospel and to apply it to every area of life, including the racial divisions and tensions that exist in our culture. Among the many disagreements that are out there, one thing that we can all agree on is that there is much tension and much difficulty Uh, surrounding race. Uh, And even though I understand the Bible is very clear that we're one race, the human race, no doubt about it, but many times we forget that there are different ethnicities, and there are different expressions and different attitudes, and quite frankly, people get judged by the language they speak, the country they were born in, the color of their skin. And Miles McPherson, a pastor in San Diego, uh, someone that I've fortunately been connected to for many, many years, in this book addresses racial division, uh, and he steps right into it because many people have shied away from it. And listen, we just can't shy away from it. I want to take you back to the book of Acts in Acts chapter 17. Paul is there in Athens, uh, and he's walking around, and he's surrounded by idolatry. That was the cultural norm of the day at least what's being uh, revealed to us in Acts 17, the cultural norm of the day is idolatry. And instead of ignoring it, instead of standing up and, and condemning it, Paul uses it as a bridge to build the gospel. He says, man, I can see, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he says, I can see that you guys are very religious people. And you have all these idols for everything. They had idolized everything, every emotion, every thought. And, and then he said, but I saw this one statue you have dedicated to the unknown God. Let me tell you about him. And Paul stepped right into the anti-God, anti-Christ culture. And as a church, we are the salt and the light. And in this book, uh, it's going to be an uncomfortable book for sure, but we need to be reading things that are uncomfortable. And Pastor Miles' whole point is, instead of going along with the culture, uh, let's choose the third option. Let's honor the priceless value of God's image in every person we meet. And as we do that, and we recognize that we're image bearers, we'll be able to bridge the gap into people's lives. And don't let it become a political thing for you. And then don't let it become um, uh, an institutional thing for you. Let it become a gospel thing to you, that every issue can be met with the gospel, but we also need to be equipped. We need to listen. We need to learn, and we need to apply the biblical truths into real situations. Uh, I highly commend this book. I mean, I could do a whole—I did do a whole segment. I was going to say I could do a whole segment, Larry, on this, but I did do a whole segment on these topics in our podcast. 
Uh, we uh, interviewed some pastor friends of mine. Uh, pastor Miles was on the list to interview, but he got snapped up by TMZ and CNN and a lot of other uh, groups that he was speaking to a much broader audience. But I spoke to some friends. Uh, you can, Wherever you get your podcast, just put my name in, Pastor Ed Taylor, or the podcast is called Lead to Serve, or get it on our app. And we have these discussions. We want to equip you so that you can be you can step into any situation, whatever the hotbed in the culture is at the time, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these uh, podcast episodes we did on racial tension are must-listens to. Even if you don't agree with them, it's okay. Let the Holy Spirit use them to minister to you and equip you. So thanks, Larry. It's, I know it was a long answer, but it's a needed one, so I'm glad you asked. Request the third option when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we can process your order right away. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover the costs. You can make a secure donation on our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Or if you'd rather call, here's the number 877-30-GRACE. Join us next time as we study through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor and learn of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.